0: This is a Legacy of Laughs, comedy from the golden age of radio, brought to you by RelicRadio.com. The Fred Allen Show. Brought to you by Panitou Face for the smile of beauty, Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. 3,600 seconds of fun and music. Fun with our star comedian, Fred Allen. With our guest, Mr. T. Hee, one of the directors of Walt Disney's Pinocchio. Music with Peter Van Steeden, the Merrimack, and Wynne Murray. The time has come. It's the Fred Allen Show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we had hoped to have Toscanini conduct our overture tonight, but unfortunately our plans went amiss. In place of Mr. Toscanini, however, we have been very fortunate in securing the eminent conductor of the Scarsdale Symphony, (laughs) Mr. Peter Van Steeden. Maestro Van Steeden opens with the fugue, Give a Little Whistle. Gentlemen, to prove to you that I am in a rut. Once again, I bring you that same guy I always seem to be bringing you, Fred Allen, in person.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you, you. and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, spring is here as of last Thursday, and our program comes to you tonight in the guise of a delectable zephyr. In the guise of a delectable zephyr. How is that, Harry? Uh what, Fred? That's I just what? coined a phrase. I'm no judge, but to me it reeked of Tennyson. Or I might as well go the whole hog and say it smacked of Edgar Kenn. <laughs> well
0: I didn't hear it, Fred. What was your phrase?
2: I uh I said our program comes to you tonight in the guise of a delectable zephyr.
0: Oh <laughs> Say, that's poetry, Fred. Or a reasonable factional. What is a zephyr? What? I say, what is a zephyr?
2: A uh, zephyr is a tornado with an inferiority complex. (laughs) (laughs) It's a limp gale, a typhoon with no ambition. (laughs) A zephyr, Harry, is really a slow leak from out the west. You get the significance?
0: Yes, I get it. A zephyr is a slow leak. Yeah. A slow leak is a little drip.
3: And a little drip is Fred Allen in person. Ah.
2: (laughs) Welcome with a new hairdo yet. You You look as though you combed your hair with the sleeve of a chinchilla coat. No other effect could win. Welcome back to radio, Mr. Van Steeden. Say, hey,
1: this, uh, this
0: is the first time you've said anything on the program since February,
2: Pete. Oh, I'm here ready to talk, but Alan won't give me any lines. Look, I tried to give you... I ought to give you a comb. You need a comb. <laughs> 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 two lines. He got two lines and he washed his hair again. <laughs> Success has gone to his head again, in the form of soap. Well, I tried to. I tried to give you lines, Austin Welsh, Eden, but you, you can't even read them. What do you mean I can't read them? I've been taking elocution lessons.
3: What? Yeah.
0: I didn't know you were taking elocution lessons, Pete.
2: Sure, get an
3: order this, Harry. No. Break, break, Break are oh, like whole gray stones,
2: Oh, see. That's Break. fine, that's Break. fine, that's very good. You sound like the boy voted most likely to succeed at an embalming school. (laughs) You keep talking that way, and you'll end up an announcer. How do you like that, Harry? I study elocution for six months. What can you say? Break! 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 (laughs) All All right, all right. Break, break, break it up, brother. (laughs) We had enough trouble around here last week with that eagle. (laughs) The eagle got more laughs than you did. (laughs) I, uh, I could get laughs if I used the same devices.
1: <laughs>
2: if I had feathers on and could sit on Harry's wrist, a feathered bulliver, I would get laughs. Oh, that eagle was sophisticated. He was over your head. That's what had me worried. <laughs> All right. all right, Mr. Ramshaw, get back on your perch. Boy, I'd like to be an eagle for about two minutes. <laughs> the, the, the minute you leave the ground, Van Stephen, you're through.
1: That's
2: all we need on this program, an orchestra leader who flies yet. And having come to the bottom of page three in our script, we turn briskly to the latest news of the week. The iPana News presents The World in Review. The World in Review. Washington. The recent appendix operation in Seattle was broadcast over a statewide radio hookup. As the surgeon operated, member of the state medical association stood by the operating table with a microphone, giving the radio audience a complete description of the appendectomy. If radio operations get to be popular, they may soon become regular network features. IPANA News shows how the radio operation of tomorrow may sound. The, uh, operation program opens.
0: To the strains of I'll See You in My Dreams, the makers of Pico Cough, the new miracle drink, bring you another in their series of weekly operations. Does coffee keep you awake nights? Try Pico Coffee. It looks like coffee, tastes like tea, and smells like muesli. <laughs> you can perk it, brew it, or mend crockery with it. <laughs> Ask your grocer for Pico Call. And now we take you to the radio clinic. Take it away, Professor Mangle. This is Professor Mangle, about to bring you another operation through the courtesy of Pico Call. Last week we presented Mrs. Toomey in a dramatic face-lifting operation. I want to apologize to the many fans who wrote in asking for Mrs. Toomey's autograph. Mrs. Toomey's face was lifted a little too high. Her skin is so tight now she can't close her fingers to hold a pen. We may have Mrs. Toomey back on the program soon to let out some slack. If we do, you'll be seeing more of Mrs. Toomey. And now, our guest patient for tonight's operation... Mr. Morgan Grimm, a double molectomy. Good evening, Mr. Grimm. Uh, good evening, Professor Tang. What is your occupation? I'm a salt-seller salesman. You sell salt-sellers? Yeah, I'm a salt-seller-seller. And how is business? Shaky. <laughs> you're a case, Mr. Yeah. Grimm. And you're here to be operated on? Yeah,
3: I got two moles on my nose. Oh, yes. Mr. Morgan
0: Grimm is having his two molds removed tonight through the courtesy of pico And And hey, look, am I getting a local anesthetic, Professor? No, this is a coast-to-coast hookup, Miss Grimm. <laughs> oh. I hope everything comes
3: off all right. Yes, it will.
0: <laughs> now, if you'll just lie down in that cot, Mr. Grimm. It's okay. And now, while Mr. Grimm is getting ready for his operation, we present the nurse who will administer the anesthetic, glamorous Mavis Ross.
4: Hiya, friend. I got a tank full of ether, and I'm raring to go. This patient looks like he's going to give me plenty of trouble. It's going to be tough telling when he's unconscious. You get it, folks?
0: <laughs> Are you ready, Nurse Brown?
4: Yeah, Prof.
0: Ready, Mr. Grimm? Yeah, uh, yeah, Professor. Let's go, students. And now, while Nurse Brown administers the ether, Professor Mangle is putting on his rubber gloves just the way you see Dr. Kildare put them on in the movie. Mr. Grimm is unconscious. And as the operation starts, we hear Professor Mangle say. Census. Census. Scalpel. Scalpel. Do. Oh. <laughs> One mole is off, folks, and we turn you now back to Professor Mangle. Ligature. Ligature. Tourniquet. Tourniquet. Low up patch. Low up Scalpel. Scalpel. <laughs> and the second mole is off, folks. The patient is coming
1: too. Duh. Duh.
0: Now I'll move the microphone over it, and you can hear the patient's first words as he comes out of the ether. Do. Get me a cup of pico cough. Yes, pico cough! pico cough. The first thing a patient asks for after coming out of the ether is pico cough. And now here is Professor Mangle to say goodnight. Uh, this is your old friend, Professor Mangle, the cynic of the clinic, saying goodnight, folks, and happy convalescing. Thank you, Professor. The makers of pico cough, the medical drink, it looks like coffee, it tastes like tea, and smells like mucilates, <laughs> invite you to tune in again next week when our guest patient will be Miss Tiny Dow. Here, Miss Tiny Dow have a when removed next week. If you knew her when, tune in again. You know when. <laughs> and don't forget, folks, if you're still awake, be sure to take Pico Cough. Spelled peko <coughs> Cough. Good night. <laughs> okay,
2: now. Now the Merrimax Heating Clause 4 and their iron bound contract gather at their personal microphone to sing for us, I Used to Love You. I used to love you, but it's
1: all over, all over now. You know it's all over town that you threw me down. But you shouldn't let that kind of story go round. For you had your chance to not. Hey okay.
2: so much discussion recently about the coming census that tonight we add our two little cents worth and preview a cross section of the census for you. The scene, a living room. The questioning begins.
3: Now, madam, do you own a car? Yes. How many miles do you get per gallon? Not many. What's your favorite color? Pute. Just answer the questions, madam. Don't comment. <laughs> and now about children. Well I have three
5: John, Sarah, and Mary. Mary's only six, but she's smart as a whip and pretty as a picture. And as for John, yes, well two yes, teachable yes.
0: three ca- children.
5: Uh, yes, and I'm, I'm not saying this just because they're mine. But every other children
0: three. Now, what kind of toothpaste do they use?
5: Ipana, of course.
0: Funny, I get that same
3: answer time and time again.
5: Well, why wouldn't you? Mothers know what's best for the family, and when you find a toothpaste that's as good for massaging your gums as it is for cleaning your teeth, that's what you're looking for, and that's what you use.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, while that's only one opinion about Ipana, it's an opinion shared by so many parents, teachers, and dentists that iPana is the largest-selling toothpaste in America today. That popularity is based on two very significant facts. One, iPana is unsurpassed for cleaning and brightening teeth. Two, iPana, when used with massage, is especially designed to help give your gums the toning and exercise they need for health. And, ladies and gentlemen, since teeth are seldom bright, when gums are tender and soft, many dentists advise the helpful stimulation of iPana toothpaste and gum massage. And in giving that advice, dentists are doing for others what so many of them do for themselves. For in a recent survey, more dentists said they personally use iPana toothpaste than any other dentifrice of any type. Now make their choice your choice. Use iPana toothpaste.
2: Tuxedo Junction, played by Peter Van Watch This and his uh, Toon Tailors. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight. Oh, hello, Portland. Oh, you want to come in there? Uh, Hello?
1: It's saving <laughs> set. Why don't
2: you go around where you're supposed to come? I'm not that big yet.
1: <laughs> but, uh,
2: uh, well, you certainly look nifty tonight. That's some outfit.
5: Yes. I was in the Easter parade Sunday. Do you like my new hat?
2: Where is it?
5: Right here, behind my left ear.
2: Oh, I didn't see it. Yes, it looks nice, what there is of it.
5: All oh, the hats are smaller this spring.
2: I'll say they're smaller. I, uh, I saw a man on Sixth Avenue this afternoon with something in his eye. When he got it out, it was a woman's hat.
1: <laughs>
2: I get it. I know. I, I saw your face <laughs> light up.
5: Well, Mama's got me so full of sulfur and molasses. It's a wonder I don't light up all over.
2: Oh, you don't have to worry about lighting up. As the fellow says, when you gotta glow, you gotta glow.
1: <laughs> That's
2: good. Well, it always has been.
1: <laughs>
2: you can tell it another way, you know. What did the uh, what did the big shad say to the little shad? When you gotta row, you gotta row. That's it. <laughs> Not quite as good that way, but
1: it's... <laughs> and
2: uh, speaking of fish... Did you hear Benny last Sunday?
1: Jack <laughs> said that his
2: father had made you a suit. He mentioned that on his program, that his father had made a suit for me years ago. But huh? well, you want to know the truth about that suit? Yes. One time I was booked into Keegan, and I met Benny in Chicago. He was living at a waterfront hotel there. <laughs> I was in waiting and met him. That was his room. I happened to wade into his room. <laughs> And, uh, Benny knew. <laughs> Benny knew that my name was going to be in lights at Waukegan. I, I happened to have the lights with me. <laughs> so he said, when you get to Waukegan, Fred, let my father, Benny the Elder, make a suit for you.
5: And um, did you?
2: Yes, when I got to Waukegan, I, uh, hired an interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> I went down to say hello to Jack's father through this man I had hired. And I ordered the suit. He mailed it on to me at White City, Illinois, where I was starring the following week.
5: Oh,
1: how was the suit?
2: Well, when the suit came, it was then I discovered Benny's father wasn't a tailor. He was an upholsterer. He was used to sewing on chairs. Well, how could you tell? Why, my pants had four legs on them and a cane bottom.
1: <laughs>
2: the coat had an antimacassar sewed on the collar. I sent the suit to Ripley. He probably knew somebody who could wear it. But too much of Benny. What about our guest? Have you seen Pinocchio? Walt Disney's new masterpiece? I certainly have. Now, don't tell me that Walt Disney is here tonight.
5: No. Our guest is
2: Mr. T. He, one of Mr. Disney's directors. T He? It sounds as though he might be uh Minnie Haha's oldest boy. <laughs> well, I
5: wouldn't know. Why don't you ask him? Mr. Allen, meet Mr. T
1: Tee-hee.
2: Well, good evening, Mr. He. Good evening, Fred. Now, before we start, Mr. He, I think the first thing we better do is get your name straightened out. If I keep saying T Hee all night, people <laughs> will think I'm laughing at myself. And why should I start a trend at this (laughs) late day? But tell me, is uh, T. Hee your real handle? Yes, Fred. The first initial is T, and my last name is spelled H. E. E. T. Hee. Say, it must be embarrassing to the women folk in your family if all the she's are he's. (laughs) But still, T. Hee is a perfect name for a man whose job it is to help Walt Disney keep the world laughing. Laughter and entertainment are Walt's objectives, Fred. I know. Portman said that you directed Pinocchio. Is that right? No. I was merely one of the sequence directors. Well, how many directors did it take to get the mahogany Mickey Rooney on the screen? (laughs) Well, there were two supervising directors, five sequence directors, and eight animation directors. Pinocchio had more directors than a Jersey bank, didn't (laughs) he? Well, how many people worked at Will Wait, I mean, if anything's cooking... (laughs) Let us know. Put up a hand if anyone's thinking of doing so. But, uh, uh how many people... <laughs> people, that's the way this show is, Mr. He. People jump up and speak into the microphone. <laughs> it's been going on here. How many people worked on Pinocchio on the picture altogether? 1,200. 1,200. Why, that's more people than Benny's last picture played to in Scranton, PA.
1: LAUGHTER
2: and that was with bank night and the afternoons, <laughs> too. How long did it take you 1,200 fellows to complete Pinocchio? Well,
0: the picture was two years in production.
2: More than half a million drawings and paintings had to be turned out. Well, that must have kept Mr. Disney pretty busy. Does he draw with both hands
0: simultaneously? Walt doesn't do all the actual drawing, Fred. No? But he does guide every detail of his pictures, from the conception of the idea right through to the distribution of the finished production. Well, I think a lot of people
2: would be interested in knowing how you Disney craftsmen work. How, for example, did you assemble your latest ink epic, Pinocchio?
0: Well, first came the selection of the story.
2: Why did Walt pick Pinocchio?
0: Because Pinocchio is a delightful folktale that is known and loved the world
2: over. Yes, it certainly is. Tell me, when Walt gets a story... He doesn't do like most of the Hollywood studios, hire 40 writers to re- to rewrite the story, and then 40 more writers to get it back the way it was. No, Fred. Pinocchio was turned over to our story department, and an outline of the plot was sketched out. Well, are cartoon scenarios written the same as the regular scripts? No, the stories are laid out in drawings, something like a huge comic strip. Oh, and then everyone starts laughing about the play? No, not yet. Next, the directors and the head animators are called in. The story men explain their sketches, everything is agreed upon, and the story is split up and assigned to the sequence director. Well, which sequences were you given in Pinocchio? I directed the scenes where Pinocchio meets the fox and the cat. Ah, the villains of the piece. What was that fox's name again? Jay Worthington Fowlfellow, otherwise known as Honest John. (laughs) That's right, and Jay Worthington Fowl, fellow. I must remember that if we have children later. (laughs) And the cat, the cat was Gideon. The fox, ah, you know, that fox and cat were two of the biggest heels I've seen since the last time I got a peek at Carnera putting on his shoes. Well, what happened? I'll kill the guy that told me to keep that in. He's here tonight. He's through. I don't know whether... What, uh, what happened after you... Consider that unsaid, Mr. Higgs. Right. What happened... What happened if you, after you took Honest uh, John and Gideon in hand? Well, I went into conference with uh, Norm Ferguson and Ken O'Connor, a head animator and art director to work out the details of the animation. Was your work finished when this animation was completed?
0: No, Fred. Then the backgrounds, colors, costumes, and the characters themselves had to be worked on.
2: Say, tell me, who invents those characters like Dopey, Pluto, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and the others? Does Walt go on a Welsh rabbit diet and dream those folks up? I don't know how Walt does it, Fred. Well, I wish you'd ask him when you get back and let me know, general delivery. But tell me, with so many artists... <laughs>
1: I'll
2: be there shortly, something <laughs> else... But tell me, uh, with so many artists drawing different sequences, how do you keep the likenesses of the various characters uniform?
0: Well, uh, models are made up to guide the animators. And sometimes we photograph actors who resemble the characters. And these action pictures are studied before the drawings are made. Well, who does these drawings? The
2: head animator? Uh, He does what we call the key drawings, the important points in each bit of action. And other artists fill it in. That's correct. And then when the drawings are cleaned up, they're traced on styloid and painted. And each separate drawing is photographed on movie film. That's right. And as soon as uh, you photographed half a million drawings, Pinocchio was finished. Not quite, Fred. The music, dialogue, and sound effects had to be added to the film. And then Pinocchio was ready for his preview. His first public
0: appearance, yes. Uh-huh. Actually, the picture had been previewed from the first day it went into production. Well, how do you mean? Well, our pictures are run off with a whole staff in various stages of production. And Walt asked everyone, from the messenger boys up, For suggestions and criticisms, and anyone who comes through with a good gag or a piece of business gets a bonus.
2: Well, in radio, we use a similar system on a bigger scale. If anyone opens his mouth around a radio program, he gets the business. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) Tell me, Mr. He, what qualities does a fellow have to possess to become a Disney
0: animator? I would say that he has to have something that is uh, just more than artistic ability. He has to have a feeling for the sort of thing that Walt does. All of us at the studio are working for the same thing, to make pictures that are more entertaining, more beautiful, and technically more perfect. Well, in case you haven't heard, Mr.
2: He, you are succeeding. And I certainly appreciate your kindness in dropping in tonight. It's been a pleasure, Fred. You know, I heard Jack Benny announce last Sunday that he is going to play Pinocchio on his program next Sunday. I think it's a shame that two years of work you fellas have put in is going to be undone next Sunday night in 30 minutes. <laughs> I think... Fine. Oh, I think... Black that... will play Pinocchio very well, Fred. You mean it takes a dummy to play a dummy? Uh,
0: you're not getting me mixed up in that. Good night, Fred. Good night, and thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank Thank you.
1: And
2: <laughs> uh, now, Wynne Murray... The Miss America in the winter book for 1942 arrives to... (laughs) Now, control yourself, Winnie. No laughing at the microphone. You might establish a precedent. (laughs) But Winnie is here to sing How High the Moon.
1: Until I fell in love, my life was very easy. The moon just made it moonlight. The breeze just made it breezy, and then I fell in love. And things that once were true, now I scarcely see or hear. Somewhere there's music. How faint the tune. Somewhere there's heaven. Oh, it's the moon, there is no moon above, when love is far away true, till it comes true. you.
2: under my eyes getting bags underneath them. It's because I've been sitting up nights trying to find a substitute for that shop-worn combination of words, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Well, now, there isn't any substitute, Fred, so there's no use sulking about it. Those words go together, like bread and butter and black and white... Ham and egg, salt and pepper. Well, I guess you're right,
2: Harry. And while we're on the subject, don't forget Mike and Ike. Corned beef and cabbage, Barnum and Bailey.
0: Sure, Fred. And most important of all, don't forget iPana and massage. Those two go together to help make smiles more attractive. Because, ladies and gentlemen, iPana is a dentifrice with a plus. And here's why. iPana not only cleans and brightens teeth, but when used with massage is especially made to help give gums the toning and stimulation they need for firmness and health. Exercise they should get from foods we eat, but do not get because most of our foods are too soft. So stop at your druggist's for a tube of iPana and begin using it. When you feel that stimulating tang exclusive with iPana and massage, you know that gum circulation is awakening, and that means you're helping your gums grow stronger and healthier. Begin tomorrow to help yourself to firmer gums, more sparkling teeth, and naturally a more attractive smile by faithfully massaging with iPana toothpaste. Continue immediately following a brief pause for your station identification. ladies and gentlemen, the question of the week. This is Mr. and Mrs. Average Man's round table, where three persons selected from our studio audience are invited to give their opinions on a question that concerns some prominent issue of the day. These little sessions are entirely unrehearsed. Fred is taking his place now at the round table, where he meets his fellow debaters for the first time. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes, I uh, I was meeting the people, Harry. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I. Oh, excuse me. The forum is officially open. I didn't hear you, Harry. I should have a third ear in the back of my head. (laughs) Important will kindly introduce us to the first member of our little group here. Mr. Hugh Cooper from Mount Vernon, New York. Well, good evening, Mr. Cooper. Good evening, Mr. Allen. May I ask your business, profession, calling, or trade? May I? I'm a district office manager with the Insulite Company. The Insulite Company? Yes. What is the uh, function of the Insulite Company? Well, they're the manufacturers of the world's finest insulation board. Oh, insulation board? This isn't a uh, homemade commercial. I mean, you've cooked up on me here. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. Insulation. I don't know. That was the policy of the government uh, a short time ago, wasn't it? The insulation policy we were going to be insulating. Was... But I don't know a great deal about your, your business, Mr. Cooper. I don't know a great deal about a great many businesses, but I am supremely ignorant where insulation is concerned. I uh what is the function of insulation, if I might ask? Well, in a few words, uh you'll overlook my ignorance. <laughs> To keep the house cool in the summer and warm in the winter. Warm in the winter. Heat cannot get in or, uh, or, or cold. Uh, n- none of the elements can get in. It would seem to me if you could invent something that would keep relatives out of houses. You know. <laughs> We're
1: working on that. Well,
2: I, uh, I'm sure it will beat your insulation business when you get it worked out. Uh, in other words, a thermos bottle is really insulated, isn't it? Absolutely. A vacuum is a non-conductor. Right. And for man to have a perfect... Uh, Insulation. He should really live in a vacuum, shouldn't he? Very good. <laughs> but uh, a vacuum is a space without matter, and man is matter. So the minute man gets in a vacuum, it ceases to be a vacuum and becomes a phone booth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope
2: Einstein is listening in tonight. He may, uh, he may learn something, but I doubt it.
5: But I, uh, all right.
2: Thank you a lot, Mister Cooper. And now,
5: Miss Joan Lane from Hartford, Connecticut.
2: Well, have you met Miss Lane?
5: Yes, I have. Oh, it's
2: all right for you to introduce Miss Lane to me. I thought Uh if you... I was going to introduce you to Miss Lane if you (laughs) hadn't met her after you had introduced her to me, because then I would uh, partly know her and it would be permissible (laughs) for me to introduce her to you. Well, uh, where is Miss Lane from? From Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, uh, uh, what are you doing in New York, Miss Lane? I'm here on my Easter vacation. Uh, On your vacation? Your Easter vacation from uh, where or what?
4: Smith College.
2: Oh, do you go to Smith College, do you? I'm a
4: sophomore
2: there. Sophomore at Smith College. That's up at uh, Northampton, isn't it?
4: That's
2: right. Smith College is a girls college, isn't it?
1: Yes,
2: it is. Uh, Smith, uh, Wellesley, and Fosser are... Uh, academic no man's land. Well, are you enjoying your uh, your your vacation here in New York?
1: Oh, very much, Mister Allen.
2: You are, huh? You're not on the Daisy Chain this year, are you?
1: <laughs> I was going to say if
2: you were, you might learn a few things from looking at our main stem over here, which is Broadway. But uh, I'll let it go.
1: <laughs> I uh,
2: I uh, it's going to be rather confusing, I think, when you graduate from uh, Smith, uh, Miss Lane. Uh, uh, What do you intend to be when you graduate, by the way? Have you any particular goal in mind?
4: I haven't quite decided yet, Mr. Al.
2: I, I well, love radio, though. You like radio, huh? Take a look at me and see that you don't want to...
1: <laughs> you don't want to
2: come to that, do you? <laughs> but I, I was going to say, it's going to be uh, embarrassing when you get out of college and tell people you've just left Smith. They won't know whether you've graduated or whether you quit working for Al. I mean, I mean <laughs> All right, thank you, Miss Lane. And now, Dr. Simon Klein from New York City. Well, good evening, Dr. Klein.
0: Good evening, Mr. Uh, What
2: branch of medicine do you practice, if I uh, may ask?
0: Dentistry, Miss
2: Dentistry, do you? We have to be very careful talking to dentists on this program. Any conversation is apt to be construed as sort of a commercial. We have to be very careful about uh, our banter. But uh, you're you're here in New York, are you? I am. Did you go to the American uh, Dental Convention last week? And down in Baltimore? Did you go down there? No, I wasn't there. It must have been very interesting. I read a lot about it in the paper. Some dentist said that uh, uh, the progress that dentistry's made in the last hundred years, the Dental Society, I believe, is a hundred years old last week, and the progress it's made is really uh, wonderful. Uh, he, this dentist said that George Washington in his day uh, wore wooden teeth, wooden false teeth, constantly in trouble. He had to carry tweezers with him to pick splinters out of his gums.
1: <laughs> the, uh...
2: Every time he opened his mouth, woodpeckers flew into the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the and uh, whenever he uh, drank hot soup, uh, his teeth swelled up, I believe. <laughs> Washington went around for months looking as though he was going to say O, oh, which he never said. <laughs> but thank you, uh, Dr. Klein. Oh was something we could say today, I mean. We could... But, uh, well, that about brings us to our question. Now that we are well into leap year... And most of the girls who are waiting for 1940 have taken advantage of their prerogative and their boyfriends. We know the cane leap year and prepare one phase of it for clinical inspection. So our question tonight is, do you think it is proper for a woman to propose to a man during leap year? Now, how do you feel about the female of the species and leap year, Mr. Cooper? Well, I think that
0: the man does uh, most of the work uh, every other part of the world in time of the year. So I think that the woman... Should propose during leap year
2: (laughs) You think the the woman should propose? You don't think a woman You think that a woman should send man flowers and candy And take him to the movies (laughs) And close in on him later in the year (laughs) Well, all right, that's one for the woman Now, Miss Lane, what do you as a college girl Think about uh, girls proposing?
1: Well, I think leap year is a very fine thing, but I hope I never have to use it myself. <laughs> well,
2: I hope you don't ever have to use it either. But do you think that it's proper that a girl is, is uh, taking advantage? you think she should propose at any time and not wait for leap year? Well, I think she's uh, just as much right as
4: a man has to
2: do it. She just has as much right to propose as a man has. Well, that gobbles it up nicely. Now,
1: <laughs> now uh...
2: Now we're mixed up good Now, Dr. Uh, uh, Klein, what do you think about... uh, Do you think a girl who proposes is going too far?
0: Uh, I think it's very important that the man should think the proposal is his
1: idea
2: Well, uh, the woman could do it In other words, the man could uh, imagine he had mental laryngitis
1: for the moment (laughs) And the
2: girl could propose to it. Well, I uh, I don't know how we stand now. You think it's all right for the girl to do it if the if the uh, to propose if uh, she makes the man feel that it's been uh, mind over matter and that he has subconsciously given her this thought, which later she bounces back at him. That's right. Well, I think then that you and Mister Cooper agree, which me uh, leaves Miss uh, Lane out on the limb here. But uh, we'll call a tree surgeon and get you down shortly, Miss Lane. I don't imagine that our discussion tonight will greatly affect the connubial. Approach of the future. The question of proposing, it seems to me, has something in common with the phonograph record. There is something to be said on both sides.
1: <laughs> married men may have better. Quiet,
2: quiet. We're late now. We've got to rush through. But, uh, married men Men have better halves, uh, uh, but bachelors have better. Co- this man gets on my
1: nerves. He's around here to tell me
2: I'm thirty seconds late all the time? And I never finish anything. I'm going to say, go away, that man. May-
1: but uh <laughs> married
2: men may have better have what's the difference? Oh, we don't finish on time. We run fifteen or twenty minutes into K Kaiser.
1: What's the... <laughs> uh, an
2: old maid who knows all the answers has never been asked any of the questions. And in this note of utter frustration, our forum is adjourned. Thank you all for your kind cooperation. <laughs> The merrimac to sing all by yourself in the
1: moonlight. There ain't no sand sitting on a fence, all by yourself in the moonlight. There ain't no trail by a watermill, all by yourself in the moonlight. There ain't no pine sitting beneath the trees, giving yourself a hug, giving yourself a squeeze, insane swinging down the lane, all by yourself in the moonlight. So all alone and so all alone. There is no, no one, one else, 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 else but you. You, you, you. you get your riding in a boat all by yourself in the moonlight. With all the things swimming in the lake, all by yourself in the moonlight. It ain't no fun looking at the, the skies, Singing a pretty song, no one to harmonize. Love is rare, you the free is rare, all by yourself in the moonlight. I ain't got no fun. Nobody cares for me, poor little me <laughs> You can't tell lies to the fire flies All by yourself in the moonlight You look free you're poor company All by yourself in the moonlight I lay this down, fire it cold enough blues, a lot of sleep, listen to a beep. Let it rain, how can you complain? All by yourself in the moonlight Am I blue? Yes, you're blue Am I blue? Ah. These tears in these eyes are telling you, too, 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 too. you can't go far in a motor car, all by yourself in the moonlight. It ain't so grand in a night you dance, all by yourself in the moonlight. It ain't so sweet, having a place to go, having so much to do, nobody helping you. It ain't a treat in a Rambo all by yourself, all by yourself. All by yourself
2: in the Thank you. Thank you. I think you'll agree with me, ladies and gentlemen. I world... beg your pardon, but which one of you gentlemen is Harry Von Bell? Von Bell? Or could the name be Von Gong? Could it uh, by any chance be Von Zell?
0: Of course, that's it. Oh, well, I'm Harry Von Zell. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? Then this other gentleman must be Fritz
2: Allen. Fred
3: Allen, my
0: good fellow. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I have a wretched memory for names. That's what I came to see Mr. Von Brill about. (laughs) You see, my wife's catching a cold. And I said to her, I know just the thing for you. You put two teaspoonfuls
3: in a glass of water and drink it. And she said, fine, what's the name of it? And I said... I don't know. I've forgotten, but I'll go right down and ask Mr. Von Well. So here I am.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds to me as though you were that what you were thinking of for your wife's cold was Sal Hepatica. Sal hepatica. That's it, I remember now. Yes, it's a mighty good thing to remember, too, because Sal Hepatica helps fight colds faster. That's why it's recommended by so many doctors. As a matter of fact, in a recent impartial survey among physicians conducted by leading medical journals, it was found that seven out of ten physicians recommend a saline laxative when treating a cold. And sal hepatica, we believe, is the outstanding saline laxative in America. There are two very good reasons for this, which you can check with your own doctor. First, sal hepatica acts quickly, yet it is exceptionally gentle. And since the progress of a cold is fast, this greater speed of sparkling sal hepatica is especially important in fighting it. Second, sal hepatica also helps nature counteract the acidity that so often accompanies a cold. So get an economical bottle of Sal Hepatica from your druggist for quick cold fighting service. Remember, for faster action in treating colds, take Sal Hepatica.
2: And now the Mighty Allen Art Players. Tonight they present a gruesome, spine-chilling Inspector Bungle murder mystery called <laughs> Who Killed Mac Borden? <laughs> The action takes place in Tin Pan Alley. Scene one, the private office of Sidney Dangle, president of the Dangle Music Corporation. The famous songwriting team of Borden and Bavel rush in. Hey, Mr.
3: Mr. Dangle. Dangle. Mr. What is it, boys?
2: Harry and me just finished another song. Yeah, a
3: new mother song, and it's a wham, Mr. Dangle. Yeah, get this title. Mother, your favorite and the world's fair to me. <laughs> and get these lyrics.
0: Well, all right, boys, but make it snappy. Now,
3: let's go, Harry. Mother, you're, you're just, just my, my mother. mother. But you're fairer than the one's fair to me. Your, your nose, nose is, is like the trilon, but you got, you, a got a you got a smile on. I don't, I don't pay my no admission to eyes see. You my, you got, got a shape like the, the Paris spear, spear. Round in front and round in, in the rear. rear. Oh, no, wait, your map
1: may look like a Futurama, but you're my, my ever-loving mamma. And you're fairer than the one's fair to me. Mr. Well, huh?
0: that is terrible. What? Why, it's dated. What do you mean? Nobody wants a mother's song today. Well, me
3: and Mac has been writing mother songs for 20 years, Mr. Dale. And every song I hit. My mother's eyes. My mother's nose. My mother's hangnail. My mother ain't got no bananas.
0: <laughs> I know. I know, boys, but mother is through. Mother is washed up. The public today wants swing. Something like food a itty bitty poo jumping high.
3: wait a minute. I can't write that moron stuff, Mr. Dangle. Well, either you write it or you're fired. Now, get out, both of you. Okay, Chief. Come on,
0: Borden. That
3: foot-flood you with a fool for you. I can't write that.
2: And so... And so Mac Borden, the songwriter, goes to work and to his doom. Ten minutes later, the door of Mr. Dangle's office... Flew open.
0: Oh, Mr. Dangle! Oh, Mr. Dangle! What's up, Babelle? You're shaking like an end girl in a Minsky show.
2: (laughs) Pardon me, lyric writer, he's been murdered.
0: Murdered? Yeah,
3: take a look in our office.
0: Lead the way. Look. Gad's slumped over his desk there. Are you sure he's dead? There's a pool of blood near his head. Say, this is murder, all right. I'm calling the
2: police. (laughs) Hiya, folks. Now, don't nobody move. I got you covered like an actor's ball spa. Now, just a minute, Frog Voice. Where did you come from? I'm Inspector Bunker, bud, the bleached Mr. Moto. Why?
0: This is uncanny. How did you get here so fast?
2: Don't ask me. I didn't write this tribe. (laughs) Me cue is a wind whistle. I heard a wind whistle, and here I am. Now, what's the crime?
0: It's murder, Bungle. Murder, hey? Eh?
2: Who are you, Marquis Stomach?
1: <laughs>
2: I am Sidney Dangle, president of the Dangle Music Publishing Corporation. A tune tycoon, hey? Eh? And who are you, Herringfish? I'm Harry Bavella, Dead Man's collaborator. Oh yeah? And who are you? Come on, come on, wake up, Dad. Yeah, hey, hey, that's the body. Quit button in, you. Let him speak for himself. Now, who are you, Bud? Stay He's Mike Borton, me lyric writer? Oh yeah. What do you know about this crime, Bevel? Nothing. Mr. Dangle sent Mac and me in here to write a swing song. And
3: I went out of the room tonight to steal a melody from a hurdy-gurdy that was playing in the alley. And? I come back
2: in. Mac has slumped over the desk. He's dead in tippy-tippy ten. <laughs> okay, Bevel. Now, what about you, Dangle? Where was you when the murder was committed?
1: I was
0: in my office wishing I was out of the music business. You
2: didn't hear no shots, no groans, no stoop, no squat, no squint?
0: I heard nothing until Harry here
2: comes screaming into my office. Yeah, I
3: seen the pool of blood on a desk.
2: Yeah, there's the blood. Borden must have been shot. But how? He ain't holding no gun. Ain't suicide. This window here is locked. No hole in it, no shot come through the window. Now, what about this door? Well,
0: this door leads into my office. Into your office. Yeah. It's
2: beginning to look mighty suspicious, Dangle. What?
0: Well, surely you don't think that I, as president of the Dangle Music Corporation, would stoop to murder?
2: There's a lot of plugging going on in the music
0: business, Bob. But... Well, I say he couldn't have killed him. I was out of the room.
2: Who else was in here when Borden went to his eternal tacit?
0: Nobody. Just Borden, Bavel, and myself. Hey, wait a second, boss. What? How about Max
2: Muller? Now we're getting someplace. Such a Lafemme. His old lady was on the premises, hey? Yes, uh, Borden wrote
0: nothing but mother's songs, you know. He kept her around the office for inspiration. Oh, where
2: is the old lady? Oh, Matt kept his mother in his
3: closet. I'll see if she's still in here.
4: Hey, Mr. Borden. Yes, Mr. Bevel? Will you come out of the
2: closet a minute?
4: Oh, is Matt going to write another mother's song?
2: No, I called you, Granny. Your son has been bumped off. You'll have to speak up, young man. I'm a little deep.
0: Look, Inspector, must you tell her? It'll break her heart. I gotta
4: tell
2: her, Girl.
4: You two will have to speak up. I can't hear that whispering.
2: Now listen, Mrs. Borden. Your son is dead.
4: Dead? My son, Mac, is dead?
2: Yeah. Somebody killed him.
4: Well, it's about time. <laughs> Boy, was he corny.
1: <laughs> Mrs.
4: Boyd, Writing them jerk ballads. My mother's nose, my mother's big toe. That icky was my son, but he was strictly from hunger.
2: Now, hold it, Granny. Don't tell me at your age you're a swing fan.
4: Sure, Gates. Around Roseland, they call me the arthritis Headcap. <laughs> oh, the Jim Jim camp is the jump-in jive. I like can truck on down and I'm 85, hip-hip. Oh, now, okay. Hip, hip.
2: Okay, Grandma. Take it easy, Grandma. You can pick Apple down now and collect your son's insurance.
4: Insurance? Yippee! Shoot the payments to me, John Hancock boy. Oh,
2: okay. What a day! One foot in the grave and the other one doing a shag.
0: Well, look, Inspector, I hate to butt in here, but what about the mystery?
2: That's right, the mystery. It sure is a puzzler. Now, let me see. There's the body. The window's locked. What's this other door here? It
0: leads out into the hall. The rehearsal rooms are out there. One and go.
2: I'm looking in them rehearsal rooms, Dangle. Come on. You stay here, Bevel, So's the body won't get lonesome. Okay. Well, come on. Let's go. This all rehearsal rooms, you say, eh, Tango? Yeah,
0: acts are rehearsing, songwriters are working in them.
2: Who's in this room here? Hey, this room is empty.
0: Yeah, this is where we write songs like uh, The Little Man Who Wasn't There. Uh, you want to look in this room, Bungle? Yeah, open that other
1: door. Hey, you!
2: Shut that door, I'm composing. Yeah, composing what? I'm writing campaign songs for the
3: Democratic Party. I got a song for Garner. Garner? Yeah, Garner, the days... Me never mind, never mind, never mind. Uh, listen to this one. A campaign song for the president. I didn't know what term it was.
0: I didn't I'm getting out of here. Well, I'm telling you, Bunker, you won't find any suspects in these rehearsal rooms.
2: But I ain't giving up, Dangle. Who's in this next room here? All
0: right, I'll see.
2: Who's oh, afraid of no, the big bad wolf? the big bad wolf. the big bad wolf. Just Ooh, a minute, the
3: just a minute, brother. Sir, are you addressing me? Where was you?
2: Where was you twenty minutes ago? I was right here rehearsing. Who's oh, afraid of no, the big bad wolf? hold it, hold
1: hold
2: bud. You're sure you didn't
3: leave this room? Caught my heart. I've been learning this song from my guest appearance on the Horn and Hot Out program next Sunday.
2: That's a kid's program, ain't it? Yes, I'm large for my age. <laughs> okay, bud. That tomboy couldn't have killed Mac Borden, Tangle?
0: Well, Bungle, you're stymied. I
2: ain't getting nowhere. I'm taking another look at the body to refresh me memory. Well, the
0: body's back in this room here. Okay.
2: Have you found a clue, Bungle? Nah, uh, I'm examining the body again. Now, the pool of blood is on the desk. The wound must be on the front of his head. Help me sit the body up there. Yeah, okay,
0: you take the other out of that. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Angel.
2: He, he's him back in the chair, fellas. Easy now.
0: Okay, there we are.
2: Now pick him up. Who on that. Pick well, him up now. Put him in there. Well, I'll say, what do you know? There ain't no wound in his head.
0: Now well, wait a minute. There must be a wound. How did this pool of blood get on the dirt? This is confusing.
2: I'm taking a tender at this blood through me magnifying glass. Now, let me see. Well, I'll be... uh, What do you see, Bungo? The blood. There's onions in it. (laughs) Onions?
1: It ain't blood.
2: It's chili sauce. (laughs) Where did this chili come from? Oh, I can explain that.
3: Me and Mac had hamburgers for lunch. Mac must have scraped the chili off of his.
2: To me, a hamburger ain't a hamburger without chili. I always <laughs> take chili
3: on my hamburger. With a William hot dog Collins. I take in yeah, here, Rally. Yeah.
2: Oh, Never mind that!
3: Never mind that! What about the
2: murder? Oh, yeah, the murder. Well, there, there ain't no lumps on his head. Maybe he was doped. I'm frisking the body. I thought so. What is it, Bungo? In the top vest pocket here, look. Here,
0: a little bottle.
2: And in this pocket? Hey, a hypodermic needle. I the bet. mystery you saw. Somebody drugged your lyric writer before they bumped him
0: off. Why should anyone want to drug a songwriter?
2: Given one dope to another, it's redundant. <laughs> hey, maybe Mac ain't there. Can you tell by that drug bungle? Maybe the formula is on this bottle here. What's it say? Na2Cl407. Why, this is formaldehyde or sulfanilamide. This is a powerful drug, fellas. It dissolves the human brain. Whoever gives this drug to Borden. <laughs> I was trying to turn him into an imbecile. Then he ain't dead. He's in a stupor. Maybe I can slap him too. Hey, wake up, wait. Okay. Wake up, Borden. Oh. This is the law. Okay. Come on, come on. Break it up, Mafia.
3: Oh.
1: Oh, scuddley up. Oh, boo-boo. bee. Hey, doo bee,
3: Hey, he's out of it, oh, but he's not. Oh, scuddley-doo. He's talking
2: like a snub. It's that drug It's dissolving his brain. Yeah, yeah. I got to stop it or he'll wake up a chowder All
1: right, and that's scuddley-doo. I scuddley-doo.
2: Can't you counteract that drug, Bungle? I can try. Wait till I put this epidemic needle on the desk. I got some digitalis pills in my pocket here. Open his mouth, Bevel. Okay.
1: Good.
2: Oh. I'll drop this digitalis in. Okay, oh. swallow that, Porton.
0: It's gone down his throat. Yeah,
2: digitalis ought to stop stop that drug working. We'll see. Dudley, Boo, Where am I? What's going on here? It's all right, dope. You was doped. Now you're cured. Cured? But I didn't want to be cured. I
3: drugged myself. You? You drugged yourself? Why, man? I had to. You said I was fired if I didn't write a swing song, didn't you? Well, yeah, you but... wanted lyrics like Floyd Floyd, floy, Star, didn't you? Yeah, but nobody but an idiot can pick up boys like that. I had to get down to that mental level. I bought this drug to dissolve my brain and turn myself into a grade B moron. Look at me. Now I'm normal again. Now I can't possibly write a swing song. Gee, I'm sorry, but... Oh, sorry, you bungling idiot. Take this! Hey! hey. Oh, God. oh
0: God. Good. Mike, you knocked the inspector flat across the desk.
3: Hey, look, Mr. Dangle. Bungle found a hippodamic needle. Oh,
0: Inspector Bungle.
2: Bungle, speak to me. Uh, uh. Poodle racket shaggy, poo. Rat and
1: can't wet. you bungle and write our swing lyrics. We're safe! Last
2: Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, a very significant event occurred, the first day of spring. Tonight we show you how thousands and thousands
0: of city and country dwellers alike greeted spring. Spring is here. You said it, and how? When I woke up this morning with a cold in the head, I says to myself, Joe, I says, I
2: bet spring is here, and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: And to those thousands, Harry Von Zell says... But there is something you can do about a spring cold, ladies and gentlemen, and it's this. Take start sparkling sal hepatica to help fight that cold faster. There are two very good reasons why it does, and you can check them with your own doctor. First, sal hepatica is speedy, yet it's very gentle, and speed is mighty important in fighting a cold. Second, and just as important, this famous saline laxative also helps nature counteract the acidity that so frequently accompanies a cold. Remember, in a recent survey, it was found that seven out of ten doctors recommend a saline laxative in treating a cold. And Sal Hepatica, we believe, is America's outstanding saline laxative. So for faster action against colds, get a bottle of gentle, quick-acting Sal Hepatica at any drugstore. Well, thank you,
2: Harry. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Beginning next Thursday
0: night, April 4th, at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on most of these stations. And on every Thursday night thereafter, you will hear the famous radio show, Mr. District Attorney. This expose of brackets that steal millions is brought to you as a public service by Vitalik. Tune in at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Thursday night and enjoy the thrills of Mr. District Attorney. This is the National Broadcasting Company.